Howdy, 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 folks. And tonight we will be discussing some listener-submitted stories. This is one that we like to do at least once a season to kind of get some feedback from our listeners, but also give you guys some spotlight to share some really creepy and spooky and odd things that have happened to you. Yeah, we like to do this once or twice a season, unlike some jabronis who cannot create their own content or form their own opinions on cryptids. We only do this once or twice a year. So it's a special occasion when we do this. I did ask for some Ouija board stories a while back, and they came through for us. Our listeners delivered. We got some good ones. We got some creepy ones that I cannot wait to share. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear those. And then we have a story from a good friend of mine, Ashley, as well. It really seems like a lot of these stories are going to be veering into kind of the evil spirits and maybe even the demonic tonight. I mean, it's going to get spooky really fast. Yeah, I almost prefer the demonic and the ghostly as opposed to unidentified cat creatures, which if anyone has listened to our first episode listeners and made stories from earlier this season, we would love to hear if anyone else has encountered that creature or if anyone has other explanations. Yeah, definitely. If anybody has seen that creature, let us know. Some of our other favorites are like the Runbesides and then any other obscure creatures or cryptids definitely let us know at podcast.audd.studio send us an email let us know the story and yeah we'll put you on an episode maybe next season but let's get into some of these spooky stories joe i know that you had a couple revolving ouija boards that i'm really excited to hear about so without further ado thank you and yeah the first story or the first two stories i should say that we have come from a familiar person it is one of our patreon subscribers one of our biggest supporters it is my mother and you might remember her stories she's the one who gave us a story on that weird looking cat monster that followed her around when she was a child well we have some more stories from her childhood here these two involve ouija boards or i should say they involve one particular 
Ouija board. So, without further ado, I will start reading these two stories. I had gotten a Ouija board when I was around 11 or 12. I was at home in the living room and I must have been done with it or I was going to try to use it because I had the Ouija board with the planchette on it on the floor by my feet. I was watching TV or reading a book, I don't really remember which one I was doing, but I looked at the board and I thought that little planchette moved. It looked like it had moved, but I was not sure. I went back to what I was doing and I looked down again and this time I was sure that thing had moved and I knew I had not touched it with my feet and that there were no animals around to touch it or bother it either. My mother, who was in the room with me, looked at it and I said, hey, I think this thing is moving. And she just looked at me and said, that's not possible. A few minutes later, the planchette flew off the board. It ran across the room and it flew up the wall. I sat there in shock. I'm not sure, but I think it may have gone up onto the ceiling. This caused my mother to get up and run screeching into the kitchen, which meant she had to run out of the living room, through the dining room, and then into the kitchen. There was a door that shut between the dining room and kitchen, and I could hear her calling my aunt, screaming the Ouija board was running across the floor. Eventually, it dropped down, and I don't remember when I picked it up, and I put it back away, or I did something with it. The next day, my grandmother came over, and we sat down at the Ouija board, and we asked it, did you run across the room? It spelled out, no. I jogged. The second story. Many years later, when I was married and living in my first apartment with my husband, he used to say that the Ouija board made him feel creepy. This was a very small apartment. In fact, it was a studio apartment where we lived alone. There was a dumpster in the back of the apartment for our garbage, so I bagged up the Ouija board and I threw it in the dumpster. We then went out shopping. We came home and the Ouija board and the planchette were sitting in the middle of our table. So there it is. Two pretty creepy stories about a Ouija board. And honestly, this is one smart-ass Ouija board, if you ask me. I, wow, where to start with this one? Where, so I guess my first question is, where did this Ouija board come from? Was it just purchased at like a store or has it been in your family for a while? From what I remember, I believe my mom said she bought it at Toys R Us. Okay, wow. I know that uh, one of my good friends, and definitely I will encourage him to share a couple of his experiences with, his is more of a witch board than it is a Ouija board. It's something that has been inherited through his family for a really long time. And he basically has been told by his, his elders, so his grandparents, that he is never allowed to throw away and or destroy this board for whatever reason. So it, it sits in his garage, untouched in a bag, just because he doesn't want anything to do with it, but he's so scared to get rid of it because of the consequences. You you know me, There's this is something that I personally will not play with. 
I just of the I'm of the mindset that it opens doors that I'd rather keep closed because you never know who's on the other end or who or what you're actually talking to. And that's the thing that scares me about them because it can be something very malevolent telling you that it's your great great grandmother or somebody who you really do want to speak with and have the best intentions on contacting but then you're just opening yourself up to something that's very evil so that's something that freaks me out about it this story is one of the reasons why i don't touch ouija boards or planchettes or anything like that even if they're just for decorations because you don't know what they've been used for in the past it's crazy that it said they didn't run across the room at jog that's that's wild to me yeah i remember hearing this story when i was younger and it didn't scare me nearly as much as the first story we shared of hers, uh, the cat creature. But it's kind of funny that these things just kind of follow her around throughout her life. And I have a few other stories from where my mother lives now. But I will say, I think Ouija boards are a bad idea. Uh, there are some people who completely discount them as toys and that it's all the power of suggestion but I would say, what kind of toy does that? And especially considering this is like probably the 70s, the 1970s when this is happening. So I just don't buy it. That a toy in the 70s was that advanced to be able to just climb up walls and give you smart ass remarks and all that. I do believe Ouija boards are portals to bad things. I feel like they always do more harm than good. Watch any horror movie. Use one yourself. They never do what they should or not what they should, but what you expect them to do. They're doing exactly what they should. And that's giving the dead a way to come back to the living. Yeah, I mean just just the history of the Ouija board itself is just interesting because it really didn't hit prominence until about the 19th century, whenever there was really the big boom with spiritualism and occultism, especially around the Fox sisters, which I think is somebody that we should discuss in long form for a whole episode. Just some of the people who appear to be actually legitimate within occultism and spiritualism, and then also discussing the charlatans as well, because there was I think there was far more charlatans than there were people who were actually legitimate, but just the life cycle of the Ouija board is so interesting to me because it started off as a spirit board or a witch board, something that was used in occult practices and even witchcraft. And then somehow, I believe it's Mattel owns it. And then they started just cranking them out as children's toys. It's just strange to me how diluted it became for something that was used with such reverence and something that was thought to be so powerful in the early 19th century that now it's it's literally something that you can just go pick up at a Walmart for like 10 bucks and there's so many people who have stories of playing with them and then having things happen that they were completely unintended and then they never want anything to do with it again so the cautionary tales are definitely there for a reason because like you said they're there's definitely more harm that comes from messing with them than good. I'm never going to mess with the Ouija board myself. I'm not a big fan of opening portals and welcoming those, whatever it is, spirits, demons, extra-dimensional beings. I'm not willing to let them into my life. 
around me in my life. So I will never personally touch one. And yeah, you're right. There are a bunch of fakes and frauds out there that did pretend that they were mystics or that they were psychics channeling into the up to the afterlife. I think that was a big part of Harry Houdini's thing. Is Harry Houdini was very much someone who was like, "You guys are all frauds, and I'm going to prove you all wrong," type of thing. I thought that was always kind of funny because I never knew that about him. One of his big things was, I believe it was his wife. He was going to, that once he passed on, he had a specific message that he was going to relay to her if he was able to reach, reach across the veil. And yeah, nothing ever came of it. Then there was never any contact that they knew of. But yeah, so actually it was Parker Brothers and then later Hasbro who now own the Ouija board. So, I mean, these are, Hasbro is a huge name in home entertainment like board games. So just... Again, like I said, it's wild to me that this portal to spirits and demons and things like that is is just considered a child's toy now. But yeah, like I said, I think it'd be interesting to discuss some of the mystics and spiritualists and talk about that in a long form episode, but that's something that we can discuss in the future. But moving on, I, I have a story as well. This one's from my friend Ashley. And like I said, a lot of these stories are gonna veer more towards the dark side, kind of evil or malevolent spirits. So stay close to a light for this one here so i'm just going to read it as she sent it to us i had a friend stay the weekend with me because i was literally too scared to sleep by myself because of what was happening to me inside this house i would constantly wake up with bruises or scratches being shoved down the stairs a handful of times had doors closed on my arms and fingers i'd hear my name being called by what sounded like one of my family members when i was home alone it was mocking and little did I know that it was a sign of demonic activity. Anyway, there was one night that literally sounds like it's from a horror movie. Me, her, and my dog Coco were hanging out in my room at like 11.30 at night when we started to hear knocking on my bedroom door. Both my parents were asleep and in separate rooms, so we knew it wasn't them. The room got really cold and the air felt staticky. We tried to distract each other with simple conversation, but then I noticed my dog was acting strange. She was shaking and her ears were pinned back and her tail tucked like she was seeing something that scared her. You know how when you pet a dog and it leaves finger, finger trails behind in the fur? I noticed that in her fur, but neither one of us had touched her. I pointed it out to my friend and she said that was really odd, but we tried an experiment. We smoothed her fur out and just waited. Not even five seconds later, the finger trails were back in her fur. We felt the energy in the room get darker. Just then the dog jumps past and pushes past me and my friend to hide behind us. We started to tell the dark energy to go away and we heard this deep guttural growl and then banging in the hallway. A few minutes later, the energy in the room started to lift and it felt warm and welcome. I found myself drawn to one of my mirrors. I had two mirrors and I didn't know at the time to never have two mirrors facing each other. And I started to stare into them. I began to see a woman form in one of the mirrors. She had long brown hair that was pinned back in the front. She was wearing a light blue dress, looked like it was from the late 1800s. And she was wearing a black and white pendant with a lady on it. Shortly after that, I felt someone lay in the bed next to me, but it was warm. It felt warm and comfortable and calm. 
when I told my friends somebody was in the bed with me, I felt my hair being played with, and after a couple of minutes, I felt the energy move away. I grabbed the part of my hair I felt that was being touched, and I had a single braid in my hair. After I showed my friend my hair, we heard a woman scream and what sounded like somebody being thrown down the stairs. The energy changed so rapidly and it was so negative, we tried to leave the room. We get to the living room and I stopped at the end of the hallway, like almost into the living room, and I could not move. I was literally frozen. In the blink of an eye, I saw a short shadow figure, maybe four feet in front of me, with glowing red eyes and sharp teeth, and it lunged at me. We both saw it and literally ran out of the house and slept outside that night. Now, this is a true story from a good friend of mine, Ashley, who had a lot of really dark, malevolent experiences in this specific house that she lived in, which was near Elwyn, Illinois, if I remember correctly. Yeah, this is a this is a terrifying story. As someone who's had an experience with a shadow figure before, I know a lot of people look at them as just kind of like just a regular spirit or a ghost. But if you've ever experienced a shadow figure that is interacting with you in a way, you know that these are something that have never been human ever. And it's something that has a very evil, evil intelligence about it. It has an idea and it has an idea of what it wants from you specifically. So this is a, this is a really terrifying story, but I, I do want to thank Ashley for sharing it with us because I know this was not easy for her to tell this story because she had to remember it again. Now, what's your thoughts on this story, Joe? Well, a little spirit on spirit violence is never a bad thing. I'll say that. Yeah, I think you're right. Shadow people are some of the worst. I think I've told you about my shadow person encounter. I believe I shared it in the first season when I was living in that house in Madison, shadow people are no good. And that is a very detailed, very up and down story. Like the energy changes so rapidly throughout. It's at first terrifying and then it's comforting. Then it's, then it's terrifying again. Like the good spirit that was there, the comforting spirit had been destroyed or killed by this demonic figure. I think that's just, you know, that's scary. Yeah, my, my thoughts on this are that it's almost like a game of chess in a way, that they're locked in perpetual just check. So it was just one of those situations where they felt the dark energy and then the dark energy was pushed away by the more malevolent or benevolent energy that was comforting and just warm and something that was human but then it was then it was pushed out again by that darker spirit or that darker energy that could have just rallied more darkness with it and came back and who knows maybe something happened in that house it'd be interesting to look into the history of the home and see if there was any type of any type of violence within the home that occurred with somebody being attacked and thrown down the stairs or somebody being killed by being pushed downstairs or something like that because to me that would make me believe that the darker energy was probably there first or it was created in that act of violence and the the good spirit so to speak is almost trapped there in a way reliving 
what happens to them because of that darker energy. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the kind of paranormal story that as much as I would like to encounter, I told my wife this the other day, I think it would be cool to see like a werewolf or something like that. But like while I'm doing like 65 and it's like 40 yards away into a field and there's no way that it could like get my scent or something like that. This is another one of those where this is this is a really interesting story because it does affirm a lot of people's beliefs in perhaps some form of an afterlife within the realm of being a spirit or maybe even being trapped or something like that. It definitely can validate a lot of those people. And I know it definitely validates people who've had similar experiences that it's not something that is just all in their head and something that they've made up. I mean, this is a very real phenomenon, something that does happen to people. This is one of those, I'd love to see the history of the house too, because I'd love to know if someone did die in that house and how she died, if it's available. Maybe that woman did live in that house and she died from being pushed down the stairs or falling down the stairs. And this demonic presence has latched onto that tragedy and that energy in the house and has been feeding off it and constantly renewing that energy by replaying the incident that this woman had experienced. Now, I'm one of those people, I don't like to encounter ghosts. I don't like to encounter shadow people. I've encountered shadow people and ghosts before myself. I'm a firm believer that ghosts and shadow people are real. Obviously, you've heard stories from my family at this point. We have all had our experiences with these ent- or with these types of entities. I myself shared, I believe, two or three experiences in, in the first episode of this series. So, yeah, I'm, I don't know what I'd do if I ran across a werewolf. I think a werewolf, I'd be dead. I'd love to take a swing at the Jersey Devil, though. Punching its big head. Like a legit swing. <laughs> yeah, like, like, literally throw punches at it. Yeah, I, uh, I was, I kind of came across from the show, The Woods, These Woods Are Haunted, which I highly recommend that show, especially season, season two and season three. Season three, it's really, really good. Yeah, there was a gal on there named Danielle Stedman who had a really terrifying encounter with, with a lycanthrope or a werewolf. And like I said, that's that's one for me that I think would be really cool to see. But like I said, man, I don't want to see it up close and personal. I don't want it to have, I don't want it to have my scent. I don't want it to see me. I don't, I don't want nothing, nothing to do with any of that. I don't want to be on the same plane of plane as it, where it can possibly get to me. No way in hell. I want to see it like forty yards away or more. Just something where I'm like, did I just see that kind of situation? But yeah, there's just so much crazy stuff going on in the world that people discount because they haven't experienced it themselves. But that's why I think it's so important that we we are opening this up to some of our listeners and people that we care about to share those stories because it is very cathartic to get those stories out. So you could talk to somebody about them and know that you are not crazy and this did actually happen to you. I think that's the validating part of sharing stories is that... It puts, not only does it put names to faces, but it does give you these unique scenarios. I've never heard of a scenario or a story like this before from anyone else. And 
it does make it a little more human, I think, to hear it from someone you know. But I know I did have one more story to share from an, uh, from another listener of ours. And it kind of goes hand in hand with a phenomenon that has taken place in the, in the house I grew up in. So let me start with the story and I'll explain the phenomenon. This is a story from my brother. So one time I was sitting on the sofa right next to the doorway and my youngest brother was sitting basically directly opposite of me and we were having a conversation when suddenly he turned completely white and stopped talking. When he eventually did talk, he said that he saw a little girl poke her head around the doorway and look directly at me. There was no possible way that there was a little girl in the house. I got up and looked after he said that and saw nothing. Now, this may sound like your standard bog standard ghost story, but there's a little more to this in that house. In that house, there is a spirit or something in that house, I should say. Maybe not, maybe it's not a spirit, but you can hear a little girl crying at certain times of the night. People will hear a little girl crying or a woman crying and they'll go out to the living room to see if there's anyone crying and it's usually my mother out there alone and she'll say no I'm not crying and when my sister lived there we assumed it was her but it was not her crying either so there was always this phantom crying that would happen occasionally and people who lived there like myself and guests who would come to spend the night visit they heard it as well and the only thing that we could think of is in this house, because they're the second owners of the house, the previous owners had a three-year-old daughter who had died in the house. So the working theory is this little girl was the one that was crying. As a father, that is so scary and so heartbreaking that, I mean, if it, it can go one of two ways. If spirits are sentient and intelligent and they literally are the life force of someone who has passed on from the physical realm and now they're almost trapped within this ethereal realm that's really sad that this little girl is stuck and she's alone and you know just in this place that she doesn't understand she doesn't know why she that she feels the way that she she is now and yeah, it's just heartbreaking to me as, as a father that something so innocent and small and just pure can be stuck in a way like that. And I mean, the, the other the other way that it could be is there is the theory that some ghostly phenomenon is basically in a way of electromagnetic energy being recorded on the environment and then it replaying in a weird way almost like with a like a really old tape recorder so that's kind of why one of the theories is that whenever ghosts kind of fade in and out and things like that it's because it's a it's basically a recording and it's also why there's no intelligence to it and you can't really interact with it 
Now, one other thing that could be, since this is this episode is veering into the dark side, is one thing that demonic presences really, really, really love to imitate is little girls or children. So that's something that's that could be really scary, especially with your family's history of being approached or almost being a beacon to these darker energies with the, this really terrifying cat creature with the incident with the planchette and the, the Ouija board, and especially when the Ouija board is like climbing the ball in the ceiling. That's 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 some scary stuff. So I'm, I'd, I'd be interested for you to look into your family's history as well and see if there's any kind of mysticism or anything like that going back to, you know, a couple generations past your parents and kind of see what's maybe going on there because that could be something where somebody awoke something that's kind of been following your family around in a way. Yeah, I'll say this. And this is kind of, it's not an official story, but the last time I visited my, I can't remember the last time I visited my aunt and uncle's house, but I visited them a while back, years ago now. And they wanted my mom, my aunt and uncle, wanted my mom to check out my cousin's bedroom. I think my cousin was like eight or nine at the time. Because she said that there was a woman or something was in her closet. And so she wanted me to go up there with her. And yeah, it's just, you, you can feel when there's a spirit somewhere, you know? Like, um, like you're like a but like the second story where she said it got cold and staticky. And yeah, there is just an uneasy feeling. The hair stands up on the back of your neck and it's you can tell something's not right, you know? Yeah, and I've always heard that that kind of stuff, like being sensitive to paranormal and even like even demonic energies and things of that nature is very hereditary. So if you have a grandmother or a grandfather who is very sensitive to it, or it's they're one of the people who messed around with occultism or spiritualism in the early 1900s, whenever it was very, very popular, those kind of things can follow a family around. Like I know that I've talked to my dad before about these kind of situations, especially after I saw that shadow figure that I spoke about. And he told me a story about how he was in his room and he, he was really young, but he would keep the door open just a little bit so he could see out into the living room. And he saw a creature that was, if I remember correctly, hooved, had horns and a tail, just kind of creeping around in the living room. And he just said that he put his head under the blanket and he just wished and prayed it away as hard and as fast as he could. Now also my mom, she was always notorious for not going to sleep at night until it was past three in the morning. And I asked her why one time, and then she she basically looked at me and told me in a very almost childlike, innocent way, that's when the boogeyman goes to sleep. So if you've done any reading on occultism or even, you know, like the really dark spooky stuff, a lot of occurrences like to happen around three, 3 a.m. because it's, it's a way to mock the Holy Trinity. That's something that's always stuck with me and I always thought was odd. I would come home from like a party or something and and my mom would still be awake and I'd be like, are you going to bed? She's like, no, I'm gonna stay away from a little bit longer. And I didn't really realize that she was doing that because maybe she had experiences that I didn't know about. She, ne she never talked about that kind of thing because her faith was so strong that she just kind of 
I think she just kind of buried a lot of that stuff and trusted in her faith, which was which is a good thing because it made her feel better and made her feel safe. But yeah, I, I really wonder if it, if it was something that she was kind of trying to keep from all of us that because my dad still has some odd occurrences at that house where my mom lived before she passed away, like just random knocks on the windows and then things like that. Just the kind of odd stuff that could be attributed to auditory hallucinations, but there could also be something that's sticking around because because of her. And it could explain some of the odd occurrences that I've had myself. And that can even go back to, I believe my, my mom's mom said that she had odd occurrences. So basically, long story short, my point is that being sensitive to these things and if you have a story it's probably not a bad idea to talk with your parents and or your grandparents and see if they have some stories as well because it could be a thing where they've been holding on to something for such a long time but you coming to them with your experience could allow them to open up and truly let go of something that was really traumatizing to them so not to not to turn this into a self-help uh, podcast or anything but I do think it's important that people who have these experiences and people who are sensitive to this type of phenomenon, that they do band together because there's going to be people that never have these experiences and they look at these stories like you're making it up or you're just crazy. So yeah, it's just really interesting to me how it almost is like an inherited trait to be sensitive to these creatures, cryptid spirits, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's, it's almost it follows a family lineage in a way. Yeah, I think the movie Hereditary was onto something there, and that it can follow a family. That was a creepy movie. I don't, did you see Hereditary? Is that your brand of horror? No, no, that leans a little bit too much into the demonic for me. I can respect that. Yeah, I can't think of. I'm not a big horror movie person. I. I've tried to watch a few. I, I mostly watch slashers and monster flicks, though. That's kind of my realm now. I'm kind of getting yeah. into that. Those are my favorites as well. So I think... I, I'm hoping that they don't awaken anything, like dormant spirits or anything like that. But I'll tell you, I'm sure in my family someone fucked around with something and that cursed me to be seeing ghosts until I'm like 90 years old. Until I get sick of it and fucking gouge my eyes out at the age of 85 or some shit. Yeah, I I really want to talk with my grandmother more about it. She, So her stepfather was just an evil, evil, vile bastard. And I feel like he was into some stuff that he shouldn't have been into. And I think that that could lead to some of the experiences that my grandmother had and my mom had. This guy was just absolute, just evil incarnate as a human being. So... I'm sure that that is probably part of it, but it's definitely something that I want to make sure and let anybody know who's out there that you don't have to be afraid of this stuff. It's it's an experience that can be terrifying, yes, but it's there's also ways for you to block out or to make sure that these occurrences do not ruin your life. And I would say if you are encountering anything paranormal or demonic, I've found and maybe, maybe it's I found that being firm with them can go a long way like literally just saying leave me alone will sometimes stop a lot of the stuff with spirits at least in my experiences I'm obviously no expert I'm not a well I'm not a ghost hunter yet 
And I'm not a expert expert. I mean, I am the co-host of a very, very popular podcast that talks about this stuff. But I found that being just saying go away can help a lot with that kind of stuff. And I think also, I think also just having those experiences can help broaden your mind and open you to things like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. I firmly believe I wouldn't have been looking for or seeing the Beast of Bray Road if I had not had these paranormal experiences throughout my life and I wasn't a firm believer. Yeah, I agree with that for sure, 100%. But I think three terrifying tales might be all we have time for this week. And keep sending them in. We'd love to hear them. If anyone's seen a UFO, I'd love to hear a good UFO story. I have personally never seen one. Have you? So I had one occurrence with a good friend of mine where we were standing out on her porch. We saw something that was unexplained and we both just looked at each other like, holy shit, did we just see a UFO? (laughs) Like maybe I'll have to reach out to her and see if I can get her account of it as well. And then maybe just put it together and tell you guys the story of it. But yeah, it was just an odd situation. But yeah, no, I think this is definitely a call to arms for any and all of our listeners. If you have any unexplained paranormal odd stories, anything weird, definitely reach out to us and let us know. We would love to share those stories with the rest of our listeners. Like I said, we we only like to do this like once a season just to kind of give back to our fans, give you guys a chance to be give a voice to the voiceless, basically let you guys tell your stories and reach out to us with ufo stories monsters creatures cryptids ghosts demons whatever definitely let us know because we want to hear them yes and i think that will do it for tonight's episode i will let you know oddity is written and produced by me joe and keith all audio has has been used under the protection of fair use follow us on twitter at oddity2 that's oddity t-o like terrell owens Email us at podcast at audio.studio. Email us your suggestions, your stories. If you like us, if you hate us, if you want to fight, please email us. And at Patreon at patreon.com slash studios capital O, capital S. Join us next time when not only will we take more pot shots at Derek Hayes, but... We'll be talking about the Banshee, something that has been suggested to me since we started this show. Yeah, definitely. This is a creature that I'm really excited to speak on because I think this is one that, like I've said before, that this is a creature that absolutely, in my mind, 100% existed, but had to evolve with the times and i very much so believe that banshees are still absolutely real to this day but i will save that for next episode but just know that we are really excited to bring you this episode oh yes but until next time i have been joe and i have been keith send us your stories yes send us your stories have a good night